GameZillaMedia.com It's time for the last action podcast. Widespread investigation of reports from funeral homes, morgues, and hospitals has concluded that the unburied dead are coming back to life and seeking human victims. Listen to them, children of the night. What music they make. All right, welcome everyone uh, to a special episode of the Last Action Podcast. Um, we, this month of October, you know, month of Halloween, we're going to actually talk uh, for a couple weeks here about some horror movies. Uh, last year, uh, I got a little bit more interested in, in catching some horror movies, never did, uh, pretty much my whole life. Um, but our good friend here through the GameZilla Media Network and on the GameZilla podcast, Deadite Night, um, has been guiding me through this past year, and we thought instead of me doing some blogs this year, we'll actually do a little podcast. So, <laughs> <laughs> Evil laugh. Yeah, there he is. <laughs> the Deadite Night. How's it going, man? Good. Good, good. So we're actually uh, at Deadite's house, uh, which is where we watched our movies last year. By house, you mean Haunted Cabin in the Woods. Yes. Um, it's going to be too late before this <laughs> releases. I'm probably dead by now, everybody. So it's been nice knowing you all. We will leave subtle clues in every recording where to find his body. Nice. Uh, so we just finished watching um, the movie Scream. Which came out, uh, I have here, December 20th, 1996. A Christmas classic. Right? Like, I was kind of surprised that this was one that came out for the holidays? You know, I'm not going <laughs> to lie, I didn't know that fact, <laughs> that it was released in December. Um, I don't really know why they would release this film in December, opposed to October or even like a summer release. Uh, as a lot of, you know, horror movies, they squeak in at the end of summer. So. Yeah, I have no idea. Uh, so, Deadite, what is, uh, if you can remember, like, your first either experience with this movie or first impression of it or anything of that nature? So, I would I would guess I was probably 19, 18, 19 uh, years old when I first saw Scream. And it was while I was in my... Uh, deepest phase of having enthusiasm around horror movies. Mm -hmm. uh, and I had a lot of excitement to see Scream because I did it the right way where I'd already built an excitement and a um, understanding of the genre. I'd already seen a t all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Yeah. I'd already seen a good majority of the Friday the 13th and the Halloween movies. And, so, and then, you know, off sort of off the regular main path slasher movies. I had seen um, Prom Night and I had seen My Bloody Valentine and, uh, you mm. know, and I was seeing all the new slasher movies as they were coming out. Uh, so this film being a movie that's uh, sort of a tongue-in-cheek play on the entire genre, yeah. it, it hit me at a point where I, I understood and enjoyed all of it. So, yeah, it was I was probably... It's probably 15 years after the movie had initially come out or something like that. And, and now I guess that's a stretch. Maybe 10, maybe a decade after the movie came out. Okay. I loved it. 
Yeah, I, it's interesting you bring that that part up because I mean, even with me being a, a newbie with with finally watching these horror movies, I had a lot more appreciation just by watching the first Friday, the thirteenth, the first uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween. Uh, I think if I hadn't seen those before I watched this, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been able to to respect what I saw this time around. Because you're right, it's, it's like a homage to those slasher films. I, I even like how it, like you said, like tongue in cheek, like it likes to poke fun at it too, which really kind of gives it that extra dimension that that I really enjoyed from it. Um, for for me, uh, thinking back with Scream, it's it's that ghost face mask. Mm-hmm. So I remember uh, when this movie came out, I was in sixth grade, and I remember like that Halloween, or actually it would have been fifth grade. But then like that next year, I just remember all the kids had that mask, and it was the Scream mask. And you know, never seeing the film, like I was aware of that mask, but didn't know anything about it. I just remember it was insane. Like everywhere we went. Because um, then I think yeah. the sequel came out the next year. I think I thought there was a couple year gap, but it could have been ninety seven. It, it's like if again, if we would have had this conversation eight years ago, I would have been able to probably tell you every date and all everything yeah. about it back when I was just really plugged into horror as a genre. Um, but yeah, you know, the sequels followed. I know there was a little bit of a, a break, and then three came out, and then there was a long break. Scream 4 came out in like 2007 or 2008, somewhere around there. Gotcha. The only other, <laughs> it's not really an experience with, with the Scream movies, but I guess I'm going to count it anyway. So back in our Best Buy days when we used to work there together, yep. uh, I remember there was a morning meeting and I I won, I did something right. So I like was given like essentially this loot box of random junk yep. and in there was Scary Movie 4. Oh, man. <laughs> And uh, it was interesting. I tried to do as little research as I could for this movie ahead of time because I wanted to kind of, you know, just get the experience and the thrill watching it the first time. But I did see that the movie was originally titled Scary Movie. Yeah. They had to change it uh, Mm -hmm. to Scream. I guess it was under one of the producers kind of wanting to do it or whatnot. So, Which was the right call. Calling this movie Scary Movie, it wouldn't have been as good. Yeah. And I mean, now that that's been parodied, Scary Movie, which how many um, of those are there? Is there four or I five? think it's four. All right. So and I have the last one, apparently. And, and I, I might have been four that had like Eminem in it or something like that. <laughs> I can't remember. I do remember watching it. Um, I think Shaq was in there, if yeah, I remember right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was... Yeah, it was like one and done. It is still in my basement somewhere yeah. downstairs. I, uh, I actually... Uh, I really hate that uh, subgenre <laughs> of comedy, like that, like really stupid satire. Yeah, uh, it doesn't matter what they're parodying. I hate it. Like I can't watch that. I couldn't watch not another teen movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just those just just irk me. I can't watch them. Well, and even in the era we're talking about, like late '90s and 2000s, there were just so like they just did it on every type of movie too. Yeah. It was just there was way too much. Um, I had on here, so this movie had a $15 million budget, but it made $173 million. Yeah. Uh, it was the top slasher film of all time until last year's Halloween was redone yeah, in 2018. Yeah. I guess that broke that record, which we actually saw together. We did. Um, so, And that was a hell of an experience. My first time uh, in a movie theater on opening night for a horror movie. So <laughs> I just, the I, crowd is completely different than anything else you'll go to see. Oh, for sure. I remember the two girls next to us were just pretty much trying to narrate the movie out loud. Like, oh, no, you don't want to go in there. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yeah. Okay. 
So, um, one thing that I thought was interesting about this film too is they were using popular actors at the time. Yeah. Which I know looking back at the movies that we've done with Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th and all that, those were pretty much cheap actors and actresses. Um, obviously started their careers like Jamie Lee Curtis and things like that. But these were people that already had some sort of reputation uh, as an actor. So especially when we're talking like Courtney Cox, Dave Arquette, Drew Barrymore was coming, kind of making a comeback at this point. Uh, Nave Campbell, obviously. So I thought that was kind of an interesting touch as well, how they decided to use that. Yeah. So, you know, again, you didn't do a lot of research about this. Do you, are you aware who made this movie? It's Wes Craven, right? Correct. So, so, and is that the Nightmare on Elm Street guy? Yes. Okay. So another reason why I like this movie so much is, you know, I'm a I'm a Wes Craven fan, but uh, it, Wes Craven was at such a different point in his career in the a decade later, yeah. making this movie. Uh, you know, there he had a little more cachet to to get this cast, and I think if they the way these characters were portrayed. I don't think they would have been as well done by some unknowns. Like they had some of the, the bigger cast members in this movie, I think add into the way that this holds up because you're like, Oh, that person is still someone that person, you know, like, I don't know. I guess to me, it still makes it more fun to watch to see Courtney Cox playing Gail Weathers. It's, it's like, Oh, there's Monica. Like we all know her, (laughs) you know, like David Arquette, you know, I don't know. I guess it's, it's sort of just a weird thing about this movie that you don't see in a lot of horror movies. To see the successful cast. Yeah, and I think it's their acting chops that that made me enjoy this movie a lot more, too. You know, that's something that kind of I dogged on with horror movies before I started to watch them was I knew that it was always like no-name actors and actresses trying to get their first name out. Mm -hmm. And I I just remember like watching some of those older movies, like some of that dialogue is brutal to get through. And that's not really the point of the movie, but I just liked that there was that added level um, of acting actually coming out through this. Yeah, and with this whole movie done with a wink, you know, with a little bit of tongue-in-cheek, mm-hmm. there is a, a need for uh, a little bit of comedic chops. And yeah. and otherwise, again, if you had someone delivering the... If you had someone that wasn't David Arquette playing Officer Dewey, they might have camped it up too much, or mm-hmm. they might have taken it too seriously. You know, they just could have... It just could have turned out very differently, opposed to a guy that I think really knew what they were going... He understood the direction of the character. And I think the audience knows what to get from him as well. You know, someone trying to act campy and then isn't, or or the audience isn't understanding it, you know, that can really turn a movie sour, but I feel like it worked perfectly uh, the way that was done in this film. Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, the only other thing I wanted to bring up before we can talk about my like favorite parts of our movie and, and other um, tidbits you may have on it was this did spark uh, a lot of controversy at the time. Um, I looked up a little bit about like copycats, yeah, um, for trying to engage in actually using the masks and actually doing some of this horrific stuff that was going on, and I just always find that. I don't know, interesting to think about how big of a cultural phenomenon this was and then also how that can kind of impact things in in a negative way. Um, I know on Last Action Podcast, we've actually had that conversation with like the Matrix, like how they wore um, the trench coats and how that led to Columbine, which is only a couple years after this movie comes out uh, as well. So it's just, 
unfortunate that people and actually the movie even kind of makes fun of it like this is you're you're like this is but this is reality you know not a movie and they're like is it though like this is kind of like a movie and i i do like how it kind of pokes fun of trying to dissect the reality of this movie versus the actual reality that we live in so i really liked how the movie kind of addressed that yeah uh, and that they did it in such a unique way yeah, I mean, a lot of the movie, you know, you you know, people that are real heady about talking about this sort of thing, you're like, oh, it's so meta doing this or that, mm-hmm. you know, the, the way that they're telling the story. And in a lot of ways, yeah, it it's because it like like we've mentioned, it is in a decent bit of fun with scares. You're going to have that you have the uh, the the realm where, yes, this is a film, but it's it's saying that these other films are films. Um, and it adds that those layers, and I can tell you that those layers get broken down and twisted around in the sequels to the point of complete chaos. Oh, okay, yeah. good to know. Um, so just kind of, I'm going to share a couple of scenes I really liked, and a couple of things about the film I liked, and, and feel free to chime in and, and add what you want. Uh, I actually really enjoyed the opening scene. Mm-hmm. I think it was a great start to the film. Um, one other thing I was kind of researching a little bit about was that the slasher film genre itself at this point was was in pretty bad shape. Um, from what I was reading, some of the additional sequels of Friday and, and Nightmare on Elm Street weren't doing as well at this time. There were so many like go right to VHS movies of slasher films that it was really kind of flooding the market with crap. And so... Uh, I just liked how the beginning just kind of set a great stage of fear, fright. You know, we we had mentioned um, off the mic that you remember that Drew Barrymore was supposed to be a big headline for for the movie, but then she's only in it like five, ten minutes, and and that's totally it. Um, But I think that, you know, there's so many iconic lines, again, with me not seeing the movie ever until just now. Like, what's your favorite scary movie when he's on the phone? and Or do you like scary movies? I think it was. Yeah. Um, seeing all that play out was, was really cool. Um, you know, having her kind of hung at the tree and mom and dad running into her. I really liked that scene overall. I thought it played really well, uh, and I enjoyed it. So, Yeah, you know, when you, when you talk about the intro to this movie, it, it's balls of the walls. Like you yeah. come into it and it's right off to the races and it does set the tone for the entire film that it's, that's an area of the movie that's not joking around the severity of the horror that's being presented. But when you talk about this being a successful and good film in an era where the genre had been so saturated, if you watch the Friday the 13th and the, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movies, and even the the Halloween movies from that era, um, only one of them is watchable. Yeah. Um, 19, I think it was 91 is when Freddy's Dead came out. That's okay. the worst in the series. It's, it's, <laughs> uh, it, it would be hilarious uh, for us to do one of these conversations <laughs> yeah. because your brain would explode trying to figure out how this movie got made. Fair enough. Um, you know, Jason Goes to Hell came out around this time where Jason becomes like a body stealing slug that crawls from mouth to mouth taking people's bodies and using them for murder um just even visualizing that sounds horrid and uh interestingly leading into i think it was 93 ish or 94 that west craven made west craven's new nightmare uh which was the last freddy movie he worked on and again that was a really sort of heady 
horror movie taking it in this genre, in, in this direction because in that movie Freddy Krueger is leaving fiction and coming into the real world. Ooh. It's 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 actually an excellent movie. That's a that's a probably the maybe the second best Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Okay. Um, but you can see Wes Craven trying to take the genre and do things in um, in a way that at least maybe makes you think a little bit more more than. Uh, teenagers have sex, get murdered, which is the you know, the basically yeah. the format for the entire genre. So, but I like too how in this film, like he kind of celebrates the old way of doing those mm-hmm. slasher movies. You know, he's constantly bringing up, you know, literally the horror movies themselves throughout the film. You know, the scene near the end when they're at their party and they're actually watching Halloween. You know, that's just really cool to do to to see that. And then when they're at the school, we see the janitor's name is Freddy. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all those references um, to those movies and the classics of back in the day that are I really appreciated those. And I'm sure like true horror movie fans like yourself probably ate that up when they first saw the film. Yeah, you know, because where, you know, we mentioned it's tongue-in-cheek, it is in some regards satire, it's also a great deal of fan service. It's a great deal of tribute to what people did uh, enjoy for the, you know, decade and a half prior to this movie coming out. Uh, So, I don't know anyone that likes slasher movies and doesn't like Scream. Yeah, for sure. Um, It's funny, too, like, watching this in 2019 eyes and the use of, like... Phones, yeah. And again, it always makes me wonder. We we talked about this on Last Action Podcast as well. Like, how could this movie have been filmed differently if you were dealing with you know today's technology with cell phones and things of that nature? Um, it's just funny how dominant phones are used in this movie. And I think I mentioned that in my blog on Halloween. Like, there were so many phone use there too, but it's all you know corded landline stuff that's going on so i just find that always interesting in scream 4 which now at this point came out a decade ago mm-hmm. um even in that movie you know the the setup of the movie is uh, new generation new rules okay and a lot of it is okay well here's the killer it's not one to you can't just kill people anymore now you gotta live stream it oh so technology okay. plays a big role in the most, you know, the last Scream movie. Yeah, made. very cool. Is Craven involved in the other movies or no? Yeah, I think he did all of them. Okay. He for sure did the fourth The fourth one. Um, again, the third one's really bad. I think it was almost intentionally bad. Um, but that again, that's getting into like how meta is the series. Yeah. Because as, you know... Horror movies, the the franchises play out, they all get really bad. Mm-hmm. So that's the way I would look <laughs> at Scream 3 is like, did they just make this movie like this to parody the route that other that the genre took I, I again that's thinking about scream 3 way more than anyone needs to <laughs> Fair enough. um but i for sure know I, I think he was involved in all of them okay uh another thing i like about the film is it's it's like a, it plays as a mystery yeah i feel like a lot of other slasher movies either like it's it's really plain and simple like what happened and why things are happening where in this one we, we aren't aware of a motive until the end. And then we are left guessing, well, who actually is it behind the mask? Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed that because the movie also did so much misdirection for who it was supposed to be. You know, at first you're thinking maybe it's Billy and he gets arrested. And then you're thinking, well, maybe it's the dad. Then you're thinking it's one of the friends. You're just kind of tossed all over the place. 
um, and really kind of leaves you guessing until the very, very end. Uh, I loved how that played out in the film. Yeah, and actually, uh, that's a nice thread throughout the series. Each each installment of the of the series plays like that. They don't get super crazy over the top uh, monster movies because most slasher movies at their heart end up being more like a monster movie. Yep. Um, where this is a murder mystery uh, in the in the setting of a slasher film. So it's a really fucked up Scooby Doo episode. Absolutely. <laughs> and interestingly enough, uh, one of the guys went on to play Shaggy. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, his name's not coming to me, but one of the I'm the, bad with one of the killers. Yeah, I wrote his name down. I think it was because um, people are probably going to yell at us. It was. They're going to yell at you. No one's going to yell at me. Well, that's true. Uh, Matt Lillard. Yeah, Matt Lillard. Yeah, which, which I guess is from Lansing. Did you know that? Uh, no, you know I don't think I knew that. Yeah, uh, I guess uh, I saw on there he was born in Lansing. You know, in in this movie, because we're on Matt Lillard. <laughs> His character gets so crazy as the movie goes on. I love it. It's like my favorite performance of the movie outside Officer Dewey. Um, it's just like he it's like it's like they just told him, like, go to 10, man. Just be yeah. at 10 and just be as insane as you want to be. And like I wa- every time I watch it, I'm like, this had to be the most fun scene to shoot in the entire world because they just let him like make the ugliest faces yeah. and yell and flail and it's great and that famous line near the end like you cut me deep man you yeah. cut me deep yeah. i'm dying here man <laughs> yeah. yeah like there's there's still and uh, the thing is in scream th- those little jokes like i'm dying here man like <laughs> yeah. it doesn't take away from no. the fun or the 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 gravity of the scene um it just it just to- continues to toe the line the whole movie does between horrific and uh, just slightly silly. Yeah. Um, another thing I really liked was that there was a backstory to what was going on. So finding out that um, Sid's mom, you know, had died and it was exactly one year ago through a rape and a murder and how they tied all that in. But then I also liked how throughout the film, there's also still trying to solve even that case. That's going on. So not only do you have what's going on currently, but then people are thinking maybe that's the motive, right? Um, I really enjoyed kind of seeing how that kind of tied into the overall story, too. I like I like movies that have set up backstories really well. Mm-hmm. So I, I liked the way that they ended up playing that out. And the last thing I really have is just kind of going over some of the, the best kills that we have oh, here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I love uh, Rose uh, McGowan, I believe is how you say her, her last name. Uh, the blonde girl. What was, yeah. what was her name? The, the best friend for Sid. Yeah, they probably said it once or twice in the movie. They probably did. Yeah. But definitely didn't expect her to get her body trapped in the garage door and then letting that just pretty much snap her in half. Oh, yeah. And, then, <laughs> you know, that was one, it's one of the few killings in this movie that is a little bit more in the vein of a Friday the 13th kill. You know, mm-hmm. like an over the top. Okay, like, okay, this girl got stuck in the dog door, the cat <laughs> door on the yeah. garage and then got crushed like... It just differs so much from how many of them are just knife murders. Yeah. And I like, too, how vulnerable the killer is. Mm-hmm. You know, we we see in, like, Friday the 13th and, and Nightmare on Elm Street, like, the supernatural. Like, they can't die and they just seem, like, unstoppable. Where this killer is is constantly getting his ass kicked, pretty much. You know, the girls are able to fight against him pretty, pretty well. So I, I kind of appreciated that, too. I, I always really like that aspect about the Scream series. Mm-hmm. 
um, because I, I think I think it was a conscious choice. Again, it still plays so much into um, all, pointing out how ridiculous it is in all the other other films that it's like that. But it also sort of, in some ways, to me, breaks the tension at points. Which again, this movie does a lot with with comedy, but you almost never really feel like Nev Campbell is actually in danger because yeah. she's able to like just beat the hell out of Ghostface <laughs> the entire movie. Yeah. And, and poor Fonzarelli, man. Oh, man. man. The wink. Dr. Saperstein, as we, <laughs> we called him when watching the movie. It, it 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 was funny because like you could tell every time when the character was about to die in the movie. There's just the way it was set up. You're like, oh yeah, this is gonna happen. I just was like, no, not the principal. This can't happen. Not the Fonz. <laughs> and you know, so you know, he he gets it. And it's not a very grotesque scene. It's sad because no one wants to see Fonzie die. <laughs> yeah. But then, like, later on, the kids are at the party and they're like, oh, yeah, the principal, the, he got gutted and hung from the goalpost on the football field. And the kids are like, let's go look. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to go see my no. principal's mangled body. But again, you know, that's that was one of, like, the funny parts of the movie. Yeah. Uh, but it's, uh, I wonder... If there's like footage, if there's like if that scene was shot anywhere and oh, they just decided yeah. it was too much that it made the cutting room floor, I have no idea. I'm speculating because that would test really bad. If I went to yeah. a movie and the Fonz got eviscerated and hung <laughs> from a goalpost, I'd be like, no thanks. That scene could get cut. Not not Fonzie. Yeah, because even the first death, Scott, the the boyfriend of Drew mm. Barrymore, like his guts are spilling out all over the place, but we don't really see how that happened. And he's also a character we don't really know a whole lot yeah. about. So I was like, okay, that's fine. Um, you mentioned how Billy was pretty much a knockoff of Johnny Depp, right? Yeah, like the look-wise, it had to be intentional that, you know, it's like, hey, let's make this kid kind of look like Johnny Depp's character, uh, Glenn from Elm Street. Yeah, so that's just another great example of trying to, to bring back those those styles there. Um, and I really didn't think he was going to end up being the killer. Call yeah. me naive or whatever. I was not thinking he was going to be the one with the grand plan. I don't really know who I was thinking. Actually, I was thinking it was going to be Courtney Cox's camera guy. What? <laughs> I had a feeling for a while. I'm like, this guy's all quiet and sneaky and not doing a whole lot. And Man. like, she's always running around. I'm like, maybe he's got some weird motive. Like he wants, like he's like driving her story type yeah. of deal. I guess I, I was thinking too far. And yeah, you were thinking too far. And I also like that that you you thought that through and didn't think to yourself, you know, they made three more of these. And it was like there like yeah, the camera guy could set up a three movie like three more movies. Yeah. And I like his death too when uh when Courtney Cox is in the van and she's like trying to yeah, do the windshield wipers yeah. and it's the blood and all that. Which I guess the last thing I have is is holy cow the 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 love tension and chemistry between uh Courtney Cox and David Arquette. I guess it's no surprise after watching this that uh, yeah, they hooked up and got married. Yeah, you know. I don't know how much of that was actually acting. I don't think any of it. I think it was <laughs> it was true. And so Again, it, spoilers at this point don't matter because everyone knows if you're listening to this, you're, you're getting a synopsis. Um, and this, I guess this is a sm- slight spoiler for you. Um, as the series progresses, Gail Weathers and Officer Dewey do get married in the series. Oh. And like I mentioned, in 4, it was the time in their life where in real life, 
Courtney Cox and David Arquette were going through a divorce. Well, in the fourth movie, there's a lot of trouble in paradise for Gil Weathers <laughs> and Officer Dewey. See, I actually I didn't know that Cox and Arquette were in the second and third ones. I knew they were in the reboot. Which I guess isn't really a reboot from what you're saying. It's, the fourth one is kind of a continuation of the story. So the the way the Scream series works, it, it originally you know it was it was a trilogy and uh, it followed the uh, the notion that I think the advertising or the the way the, the the story gets told in this way of this movie was establish the rules. Mm-hmm. One is establish the rules. Two is break the rules. Three is there are no rules <laughs> yeah. because three's awful. <laughs> Four is new generation, new rules. Okay, nice. And uh, that, that's that's the way to do it. So four, if we were to now watch four, you would say, oh, this is pretty much a reboot. Okay. Again, Nev Campbell's in it. You know, like the, the cast oh, is back. I didn't back. know she was back yeah, in it too. Yeah, the, the cast is back. Um, it is absolutely a sequel, but the way the story is told, um, it is designed to be Scream for a new generation. Gotcha. Um, any other things you want to bring up about the film? I mean, yeah, we covered a lot, and I honestly really like Scream Two and Scream Four. Okay, uh, I, I, I don't own Scream Three. That's how much I dislike. <laughs> I do need to buy a copy just so yeah. I have all four of them. Uh, but you know, as far as a a grouping of horror movies, it's it's one of the best if you can ignore the third one. So, consider seventy five percent of the Scream movies are really excellent movies as okay. far as horror movies go. So, to me, they've they've stood the test of time because you know we looked at that. That's a twenty five year old movie or whatever yeah. at this point, and it it was still really enjoyable to watch today uh, through the the glasses of twenty nineteen. Yeah. So when I did the blog, I actually gave these movies a letter grade. Mm-hmm. But on our podcast, we do like a five machine gun. Yeah. How do you want to do it? You want to go letter grade? Or you want to stick with the machine gun rating here? Well, could we do machetes? Oh, let's do the machetes. Out of five machetes? Five machetes. All right. Uh, do you want to go first? You want me to go first? I'll, I'm going to go first. It, okay. it's, it's five machetes for me because yeah. it, it, is a, it is a fun film. That is also scary. It does it does everything it sets out to do really well, and I like it a lot. Yeah, I I'm gonna give it just a tad lower. I'm gonna give it four and a half machetes. Um, I really appreciated what it tried to do. Tried to poke fun of itself and the genre a little bit. Um, I'm still looking for you know I mentioned this when I when I did these last year. I'm still looking for myself to actually get myself scared watching a movie. And uh, there was still a little bit of predictability that was happening here. Um, But that's okay. Like, it still was a really great watch, and I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, So I'm going to give it the four and a half. I'm really happy that, you know, when we were trying to come up with a list for this year, uh, this was one that I I knew I wanted to see. And you were like, oh, yeah, you're going to enjoy this one. So you you were not wrong. Um, I'm really happy I saw it. I'm you know, again, it's just another one of those films. I can't believe it took me this long to finally watch it, but definitely well worth it. And if somehow there's anyone listening to us that hasn't watched it, you definitely need to. Um, I thought it was great. Another great horror movie in general. So, all right. Uh, that's a wrap. So this has been Last Action Podcast. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, exclusive here. Uh, you know, these Halloween, these uh, October horror movie specials. I don't know what you yeah. officially call them. We should probably get a new name. I don't know. Yeah, we'll figure something. <laughs> um, 
they're exclusive here to patreon.com slash gamezilla media yep. so, we might release a couple of them on like a special friday we'll see what happens but. i think we should i think we should get these out let more people listen to them uh but you know the these are the type of shows that are available to our patrons for supporting us and yes. we appreciate it so much so if this is one of the ones that's released uh free into the public uh you know if you want to listen to more of them make sure you go to our patreon page become a patron uh, and support uh gamezilla media all right, and with that, this uh, last action podcast has been terminated. <laughs> <laughs>